Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stressed out? Need a little self-care at home? CBD Healthcare Company skincare products deliver soothing relief and relaxation. Treat yourself. You deserve it. The CBD and CBD Healthcare Company's world-class formulated skincare products enhances the effectiveness of your typical skincare regimen, reduce the signs of wrinkles, remove dead skin cells and impurities, bring your skin to a healthy and radiant state. Self-care. Skincare at home. Visit CBDHealthCareCompany.com. Skincare products made in the USA. Murder on the Space Coast fans can save 20% off your order. Use promo code PODCAST at checkout. Murder on the Space Coast is brought to you by CBD Healthcare Company, the source you can trust. And now, here's John Torres with Episode 8. Previously on Murder on the Space Coast, Left to Die... Is there any other physical evidence, anything, that connects Crosley Green to this case? I I guess the simple answer to that is no. So What is wrong with those crazy jurors? What is wrong with those crazy judges? Luckily, in this country, we have a judicial system. The system has worked. They're pretty simple to figure out. That's why we do, you know, that's why we do a long uh, review of their case. And most of that review consists of reading transcripts, right? Yeah. Um, And... I mean, we've, I've read thousands and thousands of transcripts at this point, and, uh, and you get a feel for who might be innocent and who's definitely guilty. I'm John Torres, and welcome back to Murder on the Space Coast, Left to Die. This is the episode that a lot of you have been waiting for. I've received tweets and emails asking me about the DNA in this case, which I alluded to last episode. FDLE, or the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, went out and interviewed witnesses who had recanted, re-examined evidence, took a close hard look at the initial investigation, and they concluded that while there were some flaws in the previous work done, Crosley Green was indeed the man who kidnapped Kim Halleck and Chip Flynn and later shot Flynn to death. Why would they conclude that? Well, they basically did not believe Lonnie Hillary, Sheila Green, Jerome Murray, and Tim Curtis, whom all recanted what they had said at trial. And FDLE concluded that nothing shady occurred by either prosecutors or police. That the case wasn't perfect, but it did point to Crosley Green as the killer. Again, I ask, why? Well, this is huge. They claimed to now have scientific DNA evidence that Crosley Green was in Chip Flynn's truck. Now, it's important to note the time frame here. This FDLE report and the discovery of DNA evidence was released while Crosley was still on Florida's death row. It would still be a few years before his sentence was commuted to life in prison, something I went over last episode. So as all this evidence is coming out, Crosley's life is very much hanging in the balance. So the DNA. You see, back in 1989, when Chip Flynn was killed, two small, quote, 
Negroid body hairs, close quote, were discovered when crime scene techs vacuumed the inside of Chip's truck. Scientific limitations at the time prevented any further testing on the hairs. That changed in 1999, a decade later, and the hairs were tested for DNA. And here is what the FDLE reported. Mitochondrial DNA identified the Negroid hairs as originating from Crosley Alexander Green, or an individual which is maternally related to him. It goes on to conclude, quote, The aforementioned DNA findings in conjunction with eyewitness testimony submitted during the trial indicate that Crosley Alexander Green was at the crime scene at the time of the murder of Charles Chip Flynn. Furthermore, the DNA results corroborate the identification of Green made by the sole surviving victim-slash-witness, Kim Halleck. Close quote. So, that's it. Scientific proof that Crosley Green is the killer. At least that's how it was presented by FDLE, thereby ensuring the practical certainty that Crosley Green would never get released from prison. And remember, the state had also produced a new witness, Layman Lane, to testify that Crosley Green confessed to him, and they shared crack cocaine to help Crosley with his nerves. Chip Flynn's father, Charles Flynn Sr., said this when interviewed at the time by Florida Today. Quote, Green killed my son. We proved that in court. Then he brings in these do-gooders, agrees to a DNA test, and then fails. He knows he killed my son. He should be a man and take his punishment. Chip's mother Peggy added this, quote, It's extremely difficult. It's exactly like it happened again. It's fresh and new as if he's just died over and over and over again. It has been 11 years since he was killed. That's exactly half my son's life. Close quote. As I said in an earlier episode, Chip's parents have since died, so I can't talk to them myself. Now we're going to take a very quick break here to go and pay some bills. We'll be right back. Let's face it. We're all a little stressed these days. With all the distraction on what we can't do, it's time to do a little self-care at home. CBD Healthcare Company is the source you can depend on for facial, skin care, and muscle relief. Our made-in-the-USA, world-class calming body lotions, recovery creams, and anti-aging serums combine THC-free CBD extract with natural botanicals and known ingredients. CBDHealthCareCompany.com Because taking time for yourself is always a good idea. Murder on the Space Coast fans can save 20% off your order. Use promo code PODCAST at checkout. Okay, so the DNA results were certainly a blow to anyone who believed that Green had been railroad and was innocent of this crime. And it's true, most of the media took the FDLE press release at its word, shrugged its collective shoulders, and said Crosley must be guilty. We hear DNA and immediately we think absolute positive proof. But this was mitochondrial DNA, which really only provides a partial match. Still, it was damning. I don't want to downplay the significance. The hairs could not exclude him from being the black assailant in Kim's accounts of events. But could there also be a simple explanation? Mitochondrial DNA is passed on through the mother's line and goes back generation after generation, theoretically back to the first woman. And again, theoretically, you could have the same mitochondrial DNA as many other people. Now, I spoke with Seth Miller last week of the Innocence Project of Florida to explain it to me in plain English. 
and he basically said that mitochondrial DNA should not be used as a tool for inclusion in criminal cases, but rather exclusion. In other words, the FDLE test could not exclude Crosley from being the donor of the hairs, but it doesn't mean that he was. Private eye Paul Cialino never wavered in his support for Crosley and wrote an op-ed piece that was published in Florida Today a few days after those DNA results were revealed. I asked Paul if he would read his op-ed piece for me. This is a uh, letter I wrote to the editor at Florida Today on August 1st, 2000, after the FDLE came out with DNA finding that Green, uh, that Green's DNA was found at the crime scene, which proved to be ridiculous. Nevertheless, here's the letter I wrote. With reference to all the premature celebrating of Crosley Green's guilt, and specifically the DNA testing, which I have seen proclaimed as the absolute, no doubt, he, parentheses, Crosley, and parentheses, was at the murder scene. Please allow me to speak on Green's behalf. In the Florida Department of Law Enforcement report, in a statement ju- that reads in part, Mycochondrial DNA testing identified negroid hairs as originating from Crosley Alexander Green or an individual which is maternally related to him. The above statement simply means that as many as several thousand African Americans or more share a trait that is in the Green family's DNA. What the report does not say is that the test identifies Crosley Green as being present at the scene of the Flynn homicide. The report could have easily said, we have found traces of DNA evidence which do not specifically exclude Green from being present at the scene of the Flynn homicide. As a society, we have been hoodwinked into believing that DNA hair evidence is reliable as other types of DNA testing, like blood, semen, or saliva. Nothing could be further from the truth. The type of DNA testing that was performed in this case is the least reliable of all DNA testing. This particular testing has been around since 1996. In the newest and most unproven of all DNA testing, in this, in this case, the hair evidence was originally excluded because of its unreliability. To say that this testing is conclusive is patently false. The FDLE report does not refute any of the retractions that, that were made by the key witnesses in this case. Quite the contrary. The key witnesses still maintain that they were forced to lie under oath in the Green trial. The crime scene that was so thoroughly and improperly trashed during the initial investigation remains the same now as it was then, worthless. In fact, FDLE's investigation even further removes Green from the scene of the crime. The failure of the sheriff's office to perform as many of the basic and routine tasks at a murder scene is even more embarrassing today than it was at the time of this horrible crime. The media coverage of the new development has been shameful at best. Without having read the FDLE report and acting on a press release that is untruthful and misleading, most of the mainstream media swallowed the story of the DNA being the magic pill which would prove Crosley's Green's guilt. Nothing could be further from the truth. The FDLE report has hurt Crosley Green in the eyes of the media. But in the end, the FDLE report reaffirms much of what we found during our initial investigation, and that is that Crosley Green was not present at the Flynn homicide and could not have committed this crime. Our continued efforts on behalf of Crosley Green will move forward. We are committed to seeing this through to the end. Paul Cialino. He's not wrong about the media reaction. A Florida Today editorial a few weeks later claimed that Crosley Green, quote, failed his DNA test, close quote. Like Cialino, Erin Moriarty was also unshaken in her resolve. In fact, 
Despite the DNA evidence that had been presented, she was incredulous that the state refused to act on Crosley's behalf in light of all the recantations and holes in Kim's story. The reason why the state didn't take any action was because there was one single hair that was found in the truck that Chip Flynn had been driving that night where it didn't match Crosley Green, but Crosley Green could not be excluded. And because of that, the state didn't take action. Maybe, just maybe, there was a simple explanation for the hairs. Unfortunately, the initial test wiped the hairs out completely, so there was nothing left to test by the time Keith Harrison of Kroll and Mooring got involved in the case. Yet Harrison, who stayed the course with Crosley, may have had an ace up his sleeve. The following is from a 2009 court hearing here in Brevard County. As the court knows, there were two hairs that were recovered eventually by the FBI, by the FBI lab, and that uh, there was testimony in this court with regard to the DNA testing. Now, the DNA testing consumed 100% of those two hairs, um, and uh, so there's nothing available to retest. And as the court recalls, it was mitochondrial DNA test, um, which is not suffi- sufficient based on current science to make a match. But what it did not do is it did not exclude Mr. Green. Correct. That is, it, um, um, there could be a number of people whose hairs they could be. And follows, Mr. follows the mother's line. That, yes. That's the line that it comes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I believe there was testimony that it could be a much broader range than that within the community. Um, but certainly mitochondrial focuses on the mother's line. Correct. Um, and, uh, Your Honor, um, with regard to that testimony, we would like to call uh, Mr. Tim Curtis to the witness stand. Okay, so he's about to call Timmy Curtis, whom we heard an awful lot of already in this case. Remember, he's the guy who sold Chip the truck, and he's the one who told police how hard it was to drive. He also revealed that Crosley Green could not drive a stick shift. Well, here's what he had to say in court that day. May I inquire, Your Honor? Yes, sir, please. Could you please state your name for the record? Timothy L. Curtis. Now, Mr. Curtis, um, you don't want to be here today, do you? Not at all. I'm actually sick with a flu. You didn't want to have any swine flu, I hope, do you? I don't know, but I've been sick. H1N1. Let's hope not. Don't get sick. Blame it on me. I'm the culprit. I'm I'm sorry that you don't feel well today. Um, And the only reason that you're testifying here is because you were subpoenaed to testify here. Is that correct? I devoid it the best I could, but y'all finally got me, huh? We appreciate your attendance. I just have a f- very few questions for you, Mr. Curtis. Um, you were the owner of a blue pickup truck um, that was uh, sold in 1989 uh, to Mr. Chip Flynn. Is that correct? Correct. Um, and um, that was the vehicle that was um, that you heard me talk about. Um, that was Mr. Flynn's vehicle, um, which was used to transport he and the other victim from Holder Park uh, to the Orange Grove. Is that your understanding? Correct. And um, are you familiar with O'Connor Green? Yes, I am. Would it be fair to say that Mr. Green is, uh, you've known Mr. Green for approximately 30 years? A little longer, yes. Um, Would it be fair to say that um, um, at least back in the day, uh, back in the 1980s, um, Mr. Green was a friend of yours? Business acquaintance, known him for years under football and everything. And he knew your father, right? We'd done work for him on cars and stuff off and on. 
He knew your older brother too, correct? Yes. And um, is it accurate to say that um, Mr. O'Connor Green, uh, Crossley's brother, had been in your truck on several occasions, that blue truck that you sold to Mr. Flynn? Um, it, I thought I answered this before, that he had driven that truck. We worked on his car one day at the shop, and I think he went to the parts store and the Burger King pick us up at lunch one day in that truck. And he actually drove the truck? Yes, sir. And to your recollection, he'd been in that truck on more than one occasion, hadn't he? I know that I let him borrow it one day at the shop to go run parts, and but he was offering to buy us lunch. Uh, I'm unsure how many times he'd been in it, but I know he did drive the truck. I have no further questions of this witness, sir. Right. So Timmy Curtis was friends with O'Connor Green, the same O'Connor who shares the exact same mitochondrial DNA with Crosley, and numerous other greens with the same maternal line. And O'Connor had been in the truck that Curtis sold to Chip Flynn just two months before he was shot and killed. Next to take the witness stand would be O'Connor himself. During the first part of the questioning, attorney Keith Harrison establishes that O'Connor, who spent nearly 20 years in prison, now works as a driver and operator of heavy equipment, so he knows how to drive and operate hard-to-maneuver vehicles. Mr. Green, you just heard uh, Mr. Curtis uh, testify that you had driven that truck. Is, um, can you tell us how, how many times you were in um, Mr. Curtis's truck before he sold it to Mr. Flynn? I was in there several times. And in fact, you drove that truck? Yes, I have. And um, how, can you tell us whether it was an easy truck or a difficult truck to drive? It was a difficult truck to drive. Can't know anybody jump in that truck and just drive it. Why not? because the way he had the gears set up in that truck. Can you describe how the gears were set up in that truck? Well, he had it where, um, where normal first gear would be, they would be switching and put the second gear. So okay. this, this opposite just changed all the gears around opposite. So the location for second gear um, was in the place that first gear normally would be? No, first gear would be in the place of second gear. So in a, normal, um, in a normal manual transmission, first gear would be up high, Right. correct? Mm -hmm. That wasn't the way um, Mr. Curtis had his truck set up? No. We'll be right back after this quick message from our sponsor. Stressed out? Need a little self-care at home? CBD Healthcare Company's skincare products deliver soothing relief and relaxation. Treat yourself. You deserve it. The CBD and CBD Healthcare Company's world-class formulated skincare products enhances the effectiveness of your typical skincare regimen, reduce the signs of wrinkles, remove dead skin cells and impurities, bring your skin to a healthy and radiant state. Self-care. Skincare at home. Visit CBDHealthCareCompany.com. Skincare products made in the USA. Murder on the Space Coast fans can save 20% off your order. Use promo code PODCAST at checkout. Okay, we're back. Now, O'Connor remained on the stand as Prosecutor Wayne Holmes questions him about why no one sought his testimony on this matter before. Mr. Green, this is your brother over here at defense table. Is that correct? Yes, sir, it is. And prior to 14 months ago, you were in custody for how many years? I, my sentence was 21 years and three months. I did 18 years on 21 years and three months. Okay, so you were in custody. Your brother knew where you were? 
Yes, he, okay. So, and you recall that he was having hearings in the courtroom? Did you hear about that? Yes. Over the years? Okay. And uh, you were in custody and available if somebody wanted to bring you back and have you testify at any time you were in custody, right? Yes. They could just come get you, right? Yes, they could have. Okay. No further questions. Okay. Okay, so we know that mitochondrial DNA may not be the clear-cut evidence we perhaps once thought. We also know that O'Connor Green was in the truck on more than one occasion, so that could explain away the two tiny hairs. But that still leaves the problem of Layman Lane. Remember him? He's the witness the state produced after everyone else recanted. Lane came forward and testified that Green confessed shooting Chip Flynn to him, and then the two of them smoked crack together. Well, I bet you know what happens next. Here is Keith Harrison addressing Judge David Dugan in May of 2011. Mr. Lane took the witness stand and testified that Mr. Green had, on the night in question, either in the wee hours of the morning of April 4th, that Mr. Green had been, well, that Mr. Lane had been smoking crack all day and um, all that night, and he saw Mr. Green in a garage, and Mr. Green said, I just shot somebody. And that testimony was provided to uh, Judge Jacobus during the evidentiary hearing, and in his order, he relied on that testimony as evidence um, in support of Mr. Green's uh, guilt and evidence that was part of the basis of the denial of the 3850. Now, Your Honor, on July 8th, 2009, uh, Mr. Lane, in a uh, written sworn affidavit, recanted his testimony. That made Mr. Lane the fourth prosecution witness in this case that had previously testified that Mr. Green had made incriminating um, statements to them and later recanted their testimony. Sheila Green um, recanted her testimony. Lonnie Hillary recanted his testimony. Jerome Murray has recanted his testimony. And those three witnesses testified at trial. Mr. Lane has recanted his testimony. So Layman Lane was then produced, shackled, and brought in wearing prison garb to indeed verify that he was recanting. Here's a clip of the judge letting him know that he has a right not to incriminate himself. After all, he is admitting in open court that he gave false testimony. Uh, Mr. Lane, I've been advised that uh, you um, may be providing some uh, testimony information potentially different from testi testimony or information previously given. I'm not directly involved in that. That's up to you and in your representation. Uh, but I do need to advise you as to certain rights uh, that you have as every criminal defendant has. You have the right to an attorney. You have the right not to incriminate yourself. You can't be required to give testimony against yourself, uh, to confess to crime if you, in fact, committed a crime, including uh, potential for perjury. Uh, you have the right to consult with your attorney before you say anything, before you give your testimony, and during testimony, uh, if you wish. Uh, do you wish to waive those rights? Yes, sir. All right. Lane then testifies that he was approached by a Titusville police officer he knew who wanted Lane to testify in this case. Here he is being interviewed by attorney Todd Doss, who was working with Keith Harrison. And when you got down to the Titusville police station, did you end up giving a, a statement regarding Crosley Green's case? Yes. And when you gave that statement, 
uh, were you expecting any any benefit from your what was what was given in that statement? Yes. And what were you expecting as benefit? Help my uh, child case. And that was with Department of Children and Families. Yes. And why did you have why did you have that expectation? Why did you expect that? I figured it could help me out. And was that was that because someone had told you that they would help you out? Yes. When you gave the the first statement, did you did you testify truthfully in that statement? No. Had you in fact seen Crosley Green the night of the murder? That was that relates to what we're talking about here today? No. At that deposition, did you provide truthful testimony? No. Did there come a point in time when you came into this courthouse and provided testimony at an evidentiary hearing in Crosley Green's case? Yes. And did you provide truthful testimony then? No. Did you expect a benefit in that case? Yes. And there you have it. Layman Lane became the fourth state witness to change his testimony and claim he was coerced or threatened into doing so. Timmy Curtis also recanted his testimony, saying he was duped into making it. But as prosecutors would argue, how do we know when Lane was lying? Was he lying then, or was he lying now? Well, it turns out there is no way he could have been with Crosley Green that night. But in any event, um, now, Mr. Lane, as I said, testified uh, before Judge Jacobus that uh, Mr. Green had essentially confessed to him. On uh, the, in the during the wee hours of April fourth, which was the, the morning after um, this uh, this crime occurred, but Your Honor, um, after Mr. Lane testified, we were able to review court records that demonstrate that Mr. Lane, um, Mr. Lane's testimony in court could not have been correct and that corroborate his recantation. And let me just be brief uh, with regard to that evidence. Um, it is one of these coincidences um, that uh, maybe indicates that there's fate and destiny involved, but on the very night that Mr. Lane uh, testified that he had this conversation with Mr. Green, this in which he made these uh, inculpatory statements, he was pulled over by um, a police officer and given a ticket, a ticket for driving on a suspended license at 2.15 a.m. the same morning that he had supposedly been smoking crack all day, was high. He was so he testified in court that he was so high he could only remember vague details of his conversation with Mr. Green early that morning. 2.15 that same morning, he's pulled over by a cop, he's given a ticket for driving on a suspended license, and that police officer indicates on that ticket that Mr. Lane is sober at that time. He had, wasn't high on crack. Keith proceeds to go over Kim Halleck's timeline and the fact that she made the 911 call at 1.11 a.m., roughly 10 minutes after she said the shooting occurred, although in an earlier episode I went over her timeline and found it really doesn't make any sense. Still, that meant Crosley, after shooting Ship, would have had to find his way out of a pitch-black orange grove and back to the projects on foot. Remember, Kim drove the truck away. Now, Prosecutor Chris White tried refuting this by saying Crosley Green could have easily made the one-mile walk back to the projects, met with Lane and Lane, and confessed well before Lane was pulled over at 2.15 in another part of town. The only thing is that, 
I looked at the maps and it looks like that one mile walk was more like a two and a half mile walk. And according to Google Maps, it would have taken Green nearly an hour to walk it. And I find it hard to believe that Layman Lane would hear such news, smoke crack with Green, and then immediately just take off. So, like I said last episode, Green's life is spared, but he is resentenced to life in prison. Every single witness for the state has recanted and said they lied, except, of course, for Kim Halleck. The DNA? Well, O'Connor Green was in the truck. There are no fingerprints, no blood, no footprints, real ones anyway, nothing. Yet Green remains a convicted murderer. But what if I told you the state didn't reveal everything it knew about this case? What if prosecutors withheld information from attorney Rob Parker that could have helped Green? Next time on Murder on the Space Coast, Left to Die. But if I had known that Rixie and Clark uh, had this strong uh, conviction that she was the one, it would give me so much more to explore. It can't suppress exculpatory information and withhold it from the defense and withhold it from the court and withhold it from the jury. The jury um, has a right to you know, see that sort of information. I'm news columnist John A. Torres, and you can follow me on Twitter at John Albert Torres. That's at J-O-H-N-A-L-B-E-R-T-O-R-R-E-S. And for more information on this case and web exclusives, please go to floridatoday.com. Murder on the Space Coast is written and narrated by me, John A. Torres. The producer is Rob Landers, and the editor is Mara Bellaby. Thanks for listening to Murder on the Space Coast, brought to you by Florida Today, a part of the USA Today Network. Let's face it, we're all a little stressed these days. With all the distraction on what we can't do, it's time to do a little self-care at home. CBD Healthcare Company is the source you can depend on for facial, skin care, and muscle relief. Our made-in-the-USA, world-class calming body lotions, recovery creams, and anti-aging serums combine THC-free CBD extract with natural botanicals and known ingredients. CBDHealthCareCompany.com Because taking time for yourself is always a good idea. Murder on the Space Coast fans can save 20% off your order. Use promo code PODCAST at checkout. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.